Do you like coffee? I know that you do, and that's why I want to tell you about Fresh Roasted Coffee. Fresh Roasted is a locally owned and operated coffee house right here in central Pennsylvania that is committed to providing the highest quality coffee on earth. They do so by sourcing only the freshest coffee beans and by using the most eco-friendly roasting technology in the world. Fresh Roasted's USDA certified organic coffee beans ensure that your coffee is consistently regulated at each stage of the production process and completely free of GMOs and harmful synthetic substances. Fresh Roasted Coffee roasts their beans per order with immediate packaging and shipping directly to your door, meaning that you get to experience fresh coffee at its peak drinkability. That's what I like. I was introduced to Fresh Roasted Coffee soon after moving to central Pennsylvania, and I'm so happy I was because I think it's literally the best coffee out there. Their Blackbeard's Revenge blend is out of this world good. Whether you use a regular drip coffee maker or a pour-over or a French press, however you get your coffee fix, make it fresh roasted. Go to the link in the notes for this show and use the offer code GRACE10 at checkout. That's offer code GRACE10 at checkout to get a discount on your next order. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm, of course, your host, Pastor Brad Gray. I'm the senior pastor of Stonington Baptist Church here in Paxinos, Pennsylvania. Uh, this is another edition of Pastor Brad's Corner, uh, a space that I try to devote each week to sort of reflect on some sermons and on some articles that I think go along with those sermons uh, each week and just try to uh, spend some more time meditating on the things that I've been studying and learning and try to present them in a way that's applicable to uh, where we are in our current moment. And um, I try to do this each week. Last week I wasn't able to do it, and I apologize for that. Uh, things have been <laughs> getting a little bit busy over here in my way, but that's okay. Um, I am thankful for this opportunity to speak to you, to uh, to share and to reflect on some things that have been mulling over in my brain. And speaking of which, um, I am going to save some of the sort of sermon reflection um, for uh, an episode I want to record next week, uh, just because I have been sitting on some articles uh, that I really I really think go together. Uh, they weren't written by the same person, of course. Uh, they weren't really meant to, I think, go together in a, in a, in a, in a way, but I think they really present a really um, strong theme. And so I, what I want to do is I want to just kind of talk through these articles, uh, which have really significantly impacted me lately. Um, they are uh, a little bit older in terms of uh, when they were posted and published on the uh, representative blogs. But however, I, I think that they are really significant and really uh, impactful. And I think that uh, you can be greatly affected and uh, influenced by them uh, to great degrees of building up your faith and uh, to um, um, actually, I think solidify your hope too. Um, as you look around at our current uh, climate as a nation, as a church, um, there's a lot that can be disheartening. There's a lot that can be uh, made to th- be thrown in your face um, that is discouraging. Um, I- I'll confess to you um, right off the bat that there's been plenty of times uh, throughout these last several months um, where I have been greatly discouraged. Um, it's so it, the heart, human heart is so susceptible to that, and no matter how you know 
how boisterous your faith is, how uh, think how solidified that you think you are, uh, there are things that will affect you, and uh, the circumstances will get to you. You're human, um, and in in some ways that's okay uh, to realize that you are susceptible to those things, uh, but there's also another way in which I think we can be encouraged. Yes, even by the mayhem that's going on around us, we can be encouraged by it. Why? Well, uh, I hope to kind of show you that this morning, uh, kind of uh, present to you these articles and the truths that they represent uh, and the assertions that they make in ways that I think are really profound. Um, and I, so anyways, I'm just going to, I hope to show that to you. So I'm going to save the sermon stuff for next week. And um, I really just want to get these off my chest, so to speak. They've been uh, with me for a while. So uh, hopefully uh, this will make sense to you. I hope this encourages you. So uh, really the first article I want to talk about is one uh, that comes from one of my good friends, uh, Dave Zoll. Uh, Dave is the editor-in-chief over at Mockingbird Ministries, uh, a place that I am so thankful to be able to contribute for. Uh, Mockingbird is a great uh, website blog that it's sort of reductive <laughs> to say that they put out a lot of like pop culture stuff and explain how the gospel applies to it. What they do is they show how grace is seen in its presence and its absence in a lot of unexpected ways, in a lot of unexpected places. And um, they tend to provide a lot of uh, helpful insight into sort of the mindset, the, uh, the the proclivity that mankind has, whether religious or not, to be a self-justifying person. And um, anyways, and so in this article uh, entitled Bottoming Out on Prediction Addiction, the link is in the notes for this show, uh, Dave uh, spent some time talking about mankind's tendency to want to predict the future. Uh, we want to have the future spelled out for us. We're, uh, we are literally addicted to that concept. Um, I think you can see this just in everyday life, uh, but especially now as we are going through an unprecedented time of pandemic and turmoil and upheaval, uh, not to mention just the upheaval that is happening in the health place, um, but the, the upheaval that's happening in the marketplace, in the, in the economic world, in, um, the place in which Wall Street uh, sort of lords over everything. We're seeing so much turmoil there. And yet, at the same time, we want the future kind of uh, spelled out for us. We want a map to tell us where to go. And so much so, I think, as, as Dave really explains quite well in this article, that we even take matters into our own hands and predict our own future if, if need be. We have five- and ten-year plans that we are sure are going to happen. Um, and not that that's wrong, but uh, it, what Dave does here in this article is actually something really uh, insightful. He he shares some uh, highlights from a New York Times magazine, an article uh, by Mark Lilla entitled No One Knows What Is Going to Happen, which I think is a really apt title, not only for an article, but just for our present moment. No one knows what's going to happen. And Mark, uh, he, he and so this is Dave quoting Mark, and so now I'm quoting Mark, and he says this, We are not well-designed, it seems to live in uncertainty. The history of humanity is the history of impatience. Not only do we want knowledge of the future, we want it when we want it. The book of Job condemns as prideful this desire for immediate attention. Speaking out of the whirlwind, God makes it clear that he is not a vending machine. We must learn to wait upon the Lord, the Bible tells us. Good luck with that, Job no doubt grumbled. 
The public square is thick today with augurs and prophets claiming to foresee the post-COVID world to come. I, myself, have been pursued by foreign journalists asking what the pandemic will mean for the American presidential election. Populism and prospects of socialism, race relations, economic growth, higher education, New York City politics, and more. And they seem awfully put out when I say, I have no idea. At some level, people must be thinking that the more they learn about what is predetermined, the more control they will have. This is an illusion. Human beings want to feel that they are on a power walk into the future, when in fact we are always just tapping our canes on the pavement in the fog. Now, what Mark describes here is um, something that sounds a little bit epicurean, sounds a little bit like uh, there's actually uh, no hope at all, that there's no really substance to things. Uh, but I think what Mark captures precisely is what we must realize, um, especially in our present moment, which is no one knows what tomorrow holds. No one knows what the next few hours may hold. Uh, with the way things that can turn in our country, in our world, um, it, they can happen in a blink, in a flash. We can have news hit our news feeds that changes our entire outlook on what the future might contain for us. And um, this rages against what the experts and the pundits want you to believe. Uh, they want you to think that they have the future uh, and they, can ha they have it in a way that they can foresee it and tell you how to predict it, ha tell you how to anticipate it. Um, we, but all of these experts and all of these these uh, folks who proclaim to uh, be able to tell you what the future holds are no better than the weatherman who assures you of a sunny weekend, only for those plans to be da dashed by uh, incessant rainfall. Uh, that's the limits of our prediction. That's the limits of our ability to uh, to be able to predict the future. And, and yet we are still addicted to it. We are still addicted to this notion that we can know what's going to happen um and it, it comes back to that that in, in, insatiable need we have to be in control uh, mankind is incessantly in wanting to have control we are control freaks through and through whether you admit that or not um we uh, feel compulsively um this want to know the future because that's the way we can control our destiny we can control our outcomes and the idea that we can't is just incredibly frustrating it's outrageous this notion that we we can't control our own lives that we can't control our own futures um, but that's the reality. Uh, that's the this sort of incredible notion that we have to come through uh, as we realize our own limitations that we we cannot predict the future. Uh, and that's okay. That's precisely the point. And actually, Dave, he further comments in that same article, quote, we are terrible at predicting tomorrow, partly because we are terrible at playing God. Uh, I think that's such an apt way to succinctly uh, summarize this this whole uh, concept of trying to predict the future, at trying to control our destinies and the and outcomes of our lives, because that is us putting uh, putting ourselves, putting self in the driver's seat, uh, in the in in the place, the the realm that is only reserved for God. Yet we we try to usurp that place for our own means, for our own ends. Uh, the murkiness and the cloudiness of the days ahead, I think, are actually Dave actually put this quite well. Are are a vehicle of grace. 
It, and precisely because, in the midst of all of that uncertainty, in the midst of all of the chaos, the disruption, the dysfunction, the turmoil that we see on a daily basis in the world all around us, that is what drives us to cling to a certain God. To a God who does know the future, who has already died for the future and redeemed the future with his blood that he shed on a cross. This is the uncanny hope, the unexpected hope that we can find, yes, even in the midst of these murky, cloudy, frustrating days, is that the uncertainty points us to a certain God who holds the future in the palm of his hand, who knows all of the ends from the beginnings. He is, as he says everywhere in scripture, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We are freed then. We are liberated from this compulsive need to have the future spelled out for us by faith in the one who has spelled out the future from before the foundations of the world. This is God, the God who loves us to such a degree that he is bringing all things to uh, his exact purposes, to a point in which all of his plans and all of his uh, desires will come to a point in which they will come to fruition. Uh, Yes, despite us. Yes, despite the turmoil, despite the chaos, despite uh, all of the conflict that we see on, on a daily basis, uh, we are freed to have faith in the one who knows the future, even when we can't know it, even especially when we can't predict it. Uh, he's the one who spelled out your future, too. Uh, this is the comforting, liberating, peaceful thought of grace, yes, in the midst of chaos. Uh, which actually leads me to another article that I want to highlight. And this one comes from an Orthodox priest, Stephen Freeman. Um, now, Stephen Freeman obviously is part of an Orthodox church, and they have quite a different liturgy and faith and practice than many of uh, perhaps the uh, Christians that you come across. Uh, so he has a different stripe of church, per, for sure. Uh, but I have really, really been challenged by Father Stephen's writing. Uh, he writes with such an adept uh, sort of insight into modern life and into why uh, the notions of modernity, so to speak, are are so destructive and so he uh t and, and so while i don't agree with his uh, views on orthodoxy perhaps uh, i do cherish uh, a lot of his writing just because he spends so much time deconstructing these modern notions that are uh, really being played out in front of us and uh, and, and that's nowhere better uh, nowhere better example of that is in, in an article that he wrote recently called the violence of modernity um and here, Father Stevens speaks to this notion of not only predicting the future uh, and trying to make that future happen by our own accord, but he actually uh, speaks to this modern use of violence to sort of force that future to come about. So uh, let me let me just give you an example of what he says. This is uh, Father Stevens writing, quote, uh, The philosophy that governs our culture is rooted in violence, the ability to make things happen and to control the outcome. It is a deeply factual belief. We can indeed make things happen and, in a limited way, control their outcome. But soon we discover, and have proven it time and again, that our ability to control is quite limited. Many, many unforeseeable consequences flow from every action. Quote, changing the world under a variety of slogans is the essence of the modern project. Modernity is not about how to live rightly in the world, but how to make the world itself live rightly. The difference could hardly be greater. 
Modernity has as its goal the creation of a better world with no particular reference to God. It is a secular concept, but there is no inherent content to the better, nor any inherent limits on the measures taken to achieve it. The pursuit of the better, uh, or progress, becomes its own morality. The better world concept is historically a heretical borrowing from Christianity, a secularization of the notion of the kingdom of God, translated into terms of progressive technology and laws, i.e. violence. But in truth, the management of history's outcomes is idolatrous. Only God controls the outcome of history. This picture of the modern world can, in, in the modern Christian mind, provoke an immediate response of wondering what can be done to change it. The difficult answer is to quit living as though modernity were true, quit validating modern, modernity's questions, do not ask how can we fix the world, instead ask, ask how should Christians live, and give the outcome of history back to God. I find those words so incredibly penetrating, so incredibly pointed to a, a lot of what we have tended to believe about ourselves. And I don't think it's just a modern notion, but even more sort of narrowed, I think it's definitely an American notion, that this idea that we can control the outcome of history, that our sort of our moment is one that is a referendum on mankind's history. And to some degrees, yes, we are making history as we are living out our days. And the decisions that we see uh, happening in front of us are certainly ones that many generations will still feel. And the effects of which we have no idea how to contemplate or how to measure. But this notion that we control the outcome of history is a falsified notion, one in which, yes, is idolatrous. It makes us the gods, us the centers of the universe. But again, to repeat Father Stephen's writing, only God controls the outcome of history. Man does not. Man cannot. We cannot control the outcome of all of our days. So often we think I, we think that we're the ones that can change the world. And, and this there's some merit, I think, to that ambition. There's some merit, I think, to uh, to want to have an effect on this world. And yet that ambition is wrong when it becomes the God of our lives, when we are ambitious for ambitious sake alone. The fact of the matter is, the truth of the matter, and this is not meant to be sort of nihilistic, but the world cannot be saved by any of your engineered ends, by any of your advent ad, ad, activism, or any other convictions that you hold, they cannot change the world. That doesn't mean those convictions are wrong, that doesn't mean those convictions are futile, but it does mean this, a profound, I think, truth that we have to come to, that we have to realize, is that our hope for a better world Yes, it cannot be made through our predictions. It cannot be made through our own power. Our only hope for a better world had better be in someone way more competent and way more capable than you or I to pull it off. It has to be in someone way better at making a better world. There's no other, I think, realization that we can come to than that. Uh, otherwise, we are just raging against the machine, so to speak. We are just uh, sort of predicting a future which we have no ability to ever achieve. And we have violence that is being made to uh, make a future that we can never realize. It's futile. As the writer of Ecclesiastes says, it is vanity of vanities. This is the cyclical world in which violence is made to be seen as the achiever of all these ends, and yet it is cyclical.
Father Stephen proceeds to write in another article entitled Shaming Silence. He says, quote, We cannot, through voting, make the world to be a place any better than our own hearts. If we cannot rightly govern even so little, how do we imagine ourselves to be governing, governing so much? If God could turn the wicked heart of Pharaoh towards mercy, can he not do the same in our own day? He continues in another place, No one raging against rage makes rage disappear. Violence, no matter how carefully planned or executed, never creates justice. Retribution is not justice. However, Christ is the incarnation of justice. However, we find in him a justice that transcends the limits of our time-bound existence. The justice of Christ is manifest and revealed in the cross in an instrument of injustice. You see, this is the good news that we proclaim. It's the hope that's in the midst of all the cloudy, murkiness, turmoil, chaos, struggle. It's the mission, I think, that remains my soul, the heart and soul of my ministry. It's the fact that you and I and the entire world, this entire universe, the cosmos, everything, can only be saved by one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the one who ushers in justice. He is the one who knows the future. He is the one who controls it. He is the one who has written it. He is the one who has died for it. He is the one who has redeemed it. And yes, so uh, that doesn't mean that all of our, our, our efforts, all of our, our abilities are meaningless. It means that they will be frustration without Jesus as the center. You and I, for all of our vitriol and for all of our violence, we cannot usher in the kingdom of God. That is not our job. Our job is not to usher in the kingdom of God. That is coming about whether we like it or not. Whether we uh, take this moment to sort of fight against injustice or not, the kingdom of God is coming. Uh, it's coming despite us. <laughs> And this isn't an invitation for you and I to do nothing. This isn't an invitation to nihilism. It's meant to free you, to liberate you and I from the burden of thinking the, the entire fate of God's messianic kingdom is on you, is on your shoulders. It's not. It's not. It's up to God. It was on the shoulders of his son as he died on the most unjust tool, an instrument of violence in all of history, the cross. And yet, ever since, he is ushering in his kingdom, in his timing, in his way, not through our abilities, not through our efforts, not through our uh, ends of violence, but through his incarnate grace. He's the one who is ushering in everything according to his will, according to his plan, according as he sees everything coming together. This, this is the hope that we have. It's the hope that we cling to. It's the hope that, yes, seems uncanny, seems impossible to hold to in moments like we are in. I'm not going to pretend that uh, I do this perfectly. <laughs> uh, that would be silly. Uh, but the uncertainty of the future remains the same as it always has been. And the remedy for it remains the same too, which is this, press in to Jesus. I don't think that's an oversimplification. I don't think that's a reduction of theology. Pressing into Jesus, looking unto him, the author and the finisher of our faith, is our only recourse for the moment, for the present, and for the future. 
We look unto Jesus for the redemption of our sins. We look unto Jesus for the peace of our souls in the present. And we look unto Jesus for the hope of the future. In all things, we press into him. This Savior who died to save the world. Who died so that all of mankind might be redeemed. Though we know that that is not going to happen. All mankind is not going to have their sins washed away. Yet, at the same time, Jesus made it possible. Because that is the future that he has ordained. That mankind live with him forever in his presence. And this is the future that Jesus is bringing about. He is bringing to bear the future of an eternity with him. He's bringing that to bear in this world, in this realm, whether we like it or not. The future is in his hands. We cannot predict it. We cannot change it. Our only duty, as is the conclusion that Solomon comes to in the book of Ecclesiastes, fear God and keep his commandments. Trust and obey. Trust in this one who holds the future. Obey this one who has the future already ordained. Be faithful in the moment. This is something that I have just felt so... Uh, uh, it's just been repeating uh, on my heart and on my soul. That for all of the things that we can get caught up in, the duty of man is to be faithful. Faithful in enjoying God. And being known by him, faithful in exercising grace to friends and family, to neighbors. Being faithful with those small tasks, that's kingdom work at hand. There's so much that we can be caught up in uh, in our day and age. So much that we can uh, think uh, brings about uh, the ends that we want to see happen in our world. But the truth of the matter is, God is a much better redeemer than we are. He's a much better savior than we are. The world's problems, the world's ills, the sin which still so blatantly afflicts our world can only be remedied by one thing. Not our schemes of justice, only by the one who is just himself, who is the embodiment of grace and truth perfectly embodied. It is Jesus Christ. We press into this perfect embodiment of grace and truth, knowing that he is the one who wields perfect justice and holiness and righteousness. And we trust in him for the future. I don't know about you, but for me, uh, that's what I've been clinging to. And all of these uh, days of surrounding, uh, surrounding us, filled with torment, filled with turmoil and violence, filled with so much mayhem. There was a master of the seas who controls all of this, who is has never abdicated his throne, who has never leapt off of his place in his seat of control. You and I don't have control, but there is one who is in control right now, and his name is Jesus Christ, the Lord of all things. I pray that you will press into him today. Thanks so much for listening for, uh, to this edition of Pastor Brad's Corner. I, I really hope that you've been blessed by this episode. Uh, there's much more I could say, but I, I'll just leave you with that. Press into Jesus. Uh, thanks so much for listening, though. Please uh, uh, subscribe to this podcast. Uh, you can find it 
Ministry Minded on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or any other place where you get your podcasts. Uh, I appreciate all of your encouragement and your prayers and your support. You guys are so such a blessing to me. So thank you for listening and commenting. Uh, and I'll see you on the next episode. Blessings. Thank you.